This is the Impossible Things Podcast. Here are three average guys discussing the impossible. Jesse Human, Jimmy Donahue, and your host, Kyle Cole. Hey everyone, welcome to the Impossible Things Podcast. How are you guys? Uh, I'm a little tired. Yes. How are you? Uh, same here. Yep. Jesse? Yeah. And we should say that it's five o'clock in the morning. It is yeah, five it's o'clock a very, in the morning. It's a very early recording that it's we're doing. Dedication. Yeah. It's the only time our schedules worked out, so <laughs> we just had to go for it. You know why we have to record it this time? Because of the man. That's why. <laughs> you mean you mean the man? You mean Kyle? No, that, I don't do that. <laughs> so you're saying this is the man's fault, Jesse? Yeah, you know. We probably should do something about that. Yeah, we should just abolish government. We should. Agreed. How who how do you enforce how do you enforce any rules? Are there any rules? It sounds like there aren't, but what do you do with a criminal or what do you do with anything a shared use thing like a road or a school? Oh, I didn't think about that. That's interesting. Yeah, infrastructure. Does that mean that all traffic laws go away? If you're in a, in an in- Well, who would enforce them? Like if there's no authority. That's true, yeah. Is it that there's no authority or is it that just that no no nobody's over anybody else? So like we could all get together and say, Yo, we need some roads. Let's appoint a road commission to go and build some roads. Yeah, but then but, the commission's but we, the let's authority. Oh, well, they're authority over the roads because we gave them authority over that. Yeah, but then isn't that by definition not anarchy anymore? That that's communism. I mean, like in in the true form of communal governing, I guess. Well, it, it wouldn't have to be because after the roads are done, you can disband the the thing and yeah. But who maintains the road then? Or is it a solar freaking roadway? You just wait for it, and <laughs> yeah, it's a solar freaking roadway, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but who benefits from the power? My uh, who, my who question is who who builds use? the roads? The the people that are the best at it. Who just enjoy building roads? <laughs> They're the ones that build it. I mean, I do. Well, we uh, certainly right. don't. <laughs> certainly wouldn't have Caltrans do it. It would take forever. <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, there, there's an article that uh, this guy Daryl Anderson wrote uh, that could not be a better answer to the question we're asking because the article is called "Is Total Anarchy Possible?" Wow. <laughs> But and he, one of his first points is um, the people's first question about if, is it possible is but how do we pay for roads in schools and healthcare and the military? How do we stop criminals? And he goes into a pretty lengthy explanation. But it, like I mean, a lot of this is counting on the collective interest of the collective. I think. Right, is Which that you want everybody, to call communism? Well, I get well because I like I said, communism. I think on paper is perfect. If everybody just did their part for everybody else, it would be fine. But the problem with communism is you 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 have extremes on either end of that. Is either people who are too ambitious or people who aren't ambitious at all. So they aren't they aren't contributing what they are consuming. Mm-hmm. And so it puts it puts a tax on the the rest of the system, the bulk of the people doing what they're supposed to be doing, and then the you know the person, the overachiever. What what do they benefit? They don't benefit. So they have no motivation to do any better. Right. So they just do status quo, and that's what they get. So there's nothing. There's no exceptionalism 
I mean, so I'm painting broad strokes here, obviously, but there's no exceptionalism in a communistic society. No. Just because, why? Why would you excel? That's why in communist no Russia, the day you were born, you got on a waiting list to get your first car. Because in 17 years, the car would be finally finished. Jeez. <laughs> there's, nice. It, I mean, it's there. there was no motivation to do anything. Because you can just sit at home and make the same amount of money. No, and that that that's kind of that that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. Is that, I mean, there's a there's a. I mean, this is complete hearsay, by the way. I did not look this up, so feel free to like call me out on it, people listening slash Jesse and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, a college professor did an experiment with this one time, where he told everybody like no, you know, no matter what, I'll just average the grades. And so the first test came out and, you know, the A students got their A's and the C students got their C's and the F students got their F's and everybody ended up with the, like a C. It was great. Like the average was perfect for like, if, if you could mm-hmm. perfect an average, it was perfect in that case. So the next week though, all the grades came out and everybody had D's the following week, everyone had F's and he, he was illustrating the point that the people who excel will stop trying because all they're ever going to get is a C, right? Mm-hmm. That's at least that's their mindset. And so the problem with that though, is that without them, it breaks the curve. And so if nobody's excelling, if nobody cares about it, then they, you know, the A students are now getting C's and the DNF students are doing probably what they were doing or less because mm-hmm. they don't need to do anything. They're going to get a C. So the expectation of that, unless people like choose to excel for the better bettering of their society and brethren, let's call them comrades, their comrades, <laughs> <laughs> then you know society crumbles slowly or quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on how fast the results end up coming out like that. But I don't know. It's an interesting. It's it's got to be hard to talk about communism or if I keep calling it communism. Let's call it anarchistic society. It's hard to talk about an anarchistic society without talking about human nature, mm-hmm. because I think the concept of anarchy is much like communism. I think it's probably perfect on paper. Why can't everybody just govern themselves? Yeah, if you make a mistake, you uh, you own up to it. If uh, you, you break a law, yourself. you you report yourself to the police because they're probably not. I don't know. I imagine they wouldn't be looking for you. But there are no laws. Uh, this is self-governing. The, the the laws are your laws. Oh, if you don't like my laws, you don't have to follow them because there's no authority, right? So, uh, is, that, is that the idea? So now it's yeah, so. now it's the guy who yells the loudest is in charge, right? Dictator. I think that's Let's call the, him dictator, right? I think that's the biggest problem with it is that there, at some level, whether it be organized or just, uh, or just primitive, there's going to be at some level somebody with a bigger stick and then that will be the government like it's going to boil down to mm-hmm. i'm stronger than you are go back to to the ancient ways to how it used to be and then that will be that will become some form of government he will be able to tell you what's going on because he can actually kill you so you do you know ultimate frisbee mm-hmm. so there's this semi-pro league with no referees Ah, self-policing. Mm. No one's in charge. So if there's a foul, the the foulee just kind of says, "Hey, I think you fouled me," mm-hmm. and then they they handle it. 
and where did you hear about this method? I think this was on a Freakonomics. It was on Freakonomics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I heard about this. I believe the context they were talking about was um, it, it, the underlying premise was that are football players more aggressive because they're in so much padding and helmets? Are they more aggressive now than they were when they didn't wear all the padding? Yeah, we had a we had a similar talk actually. Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. And I think we referenced the same episode for that. But the ultimate frisbee portion of that episode was rather puzzling because apparently, at least in that in in that context, it works really well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's it's an anarchistic sport. It Mm -hmm. sort of is. So, but my point by bringing that up is, if everybody agrees, if I see you breaking a rule, I'm just going to call you out. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, I guess the, my, I guess my problem with it is this is my being a, a consummate skeptic, is that your qualifier is what ruins that. Is that if, if everyone, everyone agrees, because mm-hmm. people can say they agree, doesn't mean they really agree. And so I, I mean, I'm, I'm very negative towards human nature on the whole. I frequently tell groups of people that I don't like people. I like persons, but people. No, to hell with people. And it's and it's because the second you get people into a group of any sort, organized or unorganized, people act like idiots. Mm-hmm. And they tend to not think. They tend to have that, everybody loves to call it the mob mentality. Right. And so I guess that's my problem with an anarchistic society or, or even self-governing like the ultimate Frisbee thing. What works for that, though, is that everybody does agree on a set of rules, that there are a set of rules. You can right. agree that... That guy fouled you, and he can probably agree that he fouled you because he agrees that the rule that involves fouling, fouling is true. But what if he didn't? Then you're just accusing him of something that he doesn't think he did. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think you're really counting on the inherent good in people to come out, which is fine. Like I'm not, I am more than willing to be proved wrong on that if it was ever put to the test, because obviously this is ideal. I I can't stand the way the people in charge govern us now. I do like the setup. Mm-hmm. I think, what are we technically? A democracy. I think that a democracy is republic? also... Wait, no. democratic republic? Democratic republic? Yeah. See, that's the thing. I always said republic, and then I was like, wait, democracy. Wait, republic. It's the two. We, we are America. Yep. We do what we want. <laughs> this is how it works. So, uh, I, and I, I don't think the American government is... I don't think it's a bad setup, but I think it 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 has this similar qualifier to the one you just said. Though is I think that if the if the people elected to represent the people actually represented the people, it would be bitching. You know what? If the absolute monarchy was abs- actually representing the people, it would right. be, it would work too. Absolutely, yeah. but I mean, like any benevolence in in a governing body would be great yeah but people are inherently not people people are inherently selfish i think you've ever heard that have you ever heard that like word i think i can't remember what who said it but who said it first but someone will say eventually you'll figure out that people are one of three things all people are rather naturally born evil or naturally born good or naturally born neutral and depending on how you answer that question is normally how you form your political standings. Interesting. How does it break out? I believe it's if you 
I could be totally wrong about this. And if there's anybody, I'm pretty sure there's my, my father's the one that taught me this. So I'm sure we'll see a, I was going to say, it sounds really Republican to me, but okay. Like, yeah. Well, I believe it's, if you, if you believe my dad always had a good argument with, he believes that people are, are naturally born evil because he never had a taught me to lie or never had a taught me to steal or never taught me to be selfish. But he you always, did all those things. I did. I did every one of my siblings did. And all yeah. my siblings are good people now that we've been taught to be good people. And now that you agree that that's what you should do. Right. So it's, it's naturally without any teachings, people will be bad. I think the reason why the non-government, the anarchist ultimate Frisbee works is because you have two teams going against each other. You have two teams going, and, and I, this might be a cynical way of looking at it, but I honestly believe that people are calling each other out because that they know that if they don't call out the other team right now, the other team's going to call them out. And so they need to get whatever foul they can get now in order to stay ahead of when they get called on a foul for, for... To keep it fair. To keep it well, or to make both sides equally unfair, in a sense. Hmm. You know what I mean? No, I do. I absolutely do. That's that's probably a better way to phrase it. Right. So it's it it's kind of like it's kind of like in basketball or in soccer. Like people will flop and, and move, and one team will start flopping. The second the other team starts flopping, because it's like milking it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> if you got if you got away with one thing, I'm gonna get away with another thing. And I think that's why the system in itself works when you have two teams going against each other. But in a society, they each other. yeah, they balance each other out. If you're in a society, you have everyone aiming towards the same goal. So eventually no one's going to call fouls or everyone will call way too many fouls and then nothing will get done either way. That's how I think of it. I think that's why anarchists are anarchists. That second, that second scenario sounds like a uh, society of referees, but yes, I'll give you that. I mean, if it's referees in the FIFA organization, they'll just get paid and be corrupt and everything will be fine. Probably true. Mm-hmm. That's like most governments we have now. Oh, hey, look at that. Except for in this country, we call them lobbyists, but yeah, same thing. <laughs> so have we, have we seen this in film at all? Like, what, what's a good example for anyone listening out there? What, what is anarchy? As film? depicted by a film? Uh, but is there a film out there that depicts anarchy in the way that we're talking about? Not like the initial like chaotic overthrow of a current system to become the long-term anarchy but kind of the the idyllic utopian (laughs) let's try not to say well yeah okay utopian i mean it's actually kind of funny that we're talking about that in one of our next podcasts is that in a lot of ways a utopian society will not have any governing body or it won't look like a governing body i don't know i mean it's something we'll talk about in the future but there's some there's some That's aspects good. I got of, questions about it. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some aspects of a utopia that fall in line with with anarchy. Well, yeah, I think that Did you did you look up the history of anarchism at all? No, I did not. Well, it's in this country it's kind of tied to Emma Goldman a lot in the and her whole circle. But there was so late 19th century the working poor had just terrible, terrible conditions to live in, in this country and in England, probably most of the continent in Europe too, I'd imagine. It's to the point where somebody even said 
the slaves in the South were better off than the working poor in the North. Wow. So there was a lot of, there was a huge appetite among the working poor uh, for change in the government that they felt was going to be more beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, you know what, we're all working. Don't we all deserve to have our needs met? So let's overthrow the corrupt government and we'll all govern ourselves with no, no hierarchy. Mm-hmm. We'll just all agree to, to the best interest of everybody. And it's, and I can see how when you're in that predicament where I don't even have food on the table that I can overlook some of the, uh, maybe the points of anarchy that are a little bit naive mm-hmm. where, okay, maybe this wouldn't actually work if I had enough food in my belly to think it through thoroughly, but I don't. So let's do it. I mean, why not? Yeah. I, I, and I mean, personally, I don't think that there's an example of what we're talking about in film or television. No, there's, I think on small scale, you see, you see some examples from real life. Uh, two, two that I found of, of smaller scale realities that have, that are, are experimenting with getting rid of rules and, and anybody kind of being in charge, telling a group of people what to do. I found some examples of uh, playgrounds with no rules, like recess mm-hmm. with no rules, kind of. Oh, interesting. And I found examples of cities with no street signs. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember you talking about that. That's telling because it's very, there's still, so just because there's no signs doesn't mean there's no rules. So it's just kind of all the drivers agreeing mm. to follow the rules without being told to. Right. And I think there's some parallels to, to anarchist ideals, but it seems like, it seems like people are capable of that, whether they be adult drivers or kids on a playground. So the, the couple of articles that I read, and there's one, the, the best documented example I found of the school thing was in New Zealand. And they said that kids were way more creative with their play. There was, it almost reduced bullying to zero. And then the, the teachers were kind of like, this is great. We get a break. <laughs> and the kids were kind of really constructive and they played in groups and it just seemed, it seemed all around positive And a lot of people were really, really skeptical about it at first, but it seemed to work. Well, I think sometimes, I think sometimes humans, uh, humans, some, sometimes they flourish under like no governing rules or guidelines or anything i mean think about some of the podcasts we've done we've experimented with all kinds of stuff we've experimented with like writing out not so much script based but with some of the things we've done we've like broken down like guidelines and rules mm-hmm. and other times we've just winged it just to see like how which one felt better and i would argue that there's a few of the ones that we just winged and didn't have any type of structure to that were some of our best structured podcast because we just some of our best work yeah the three of us Seems just right. kind of figured out well actually uh, that's where the main the the main uh podcast breakdown that we use now for each of our podcasts came from the three or four podcasts that we just had no structure to and we naturally just built a structure within just i don't know being psychic i guess yeah. i think it's just it's one of those things like there was a 
I'd really have to go look it up, but I definitely read an article about it years ago. There was a college, I believe, that constructed... There's a college that went under construction to build some new spaces. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. And instead of building sidewalks and putting down grass and getting irritated by the students just walking, cutting corners across grass, they waited to see the natural path of where everybody walked to get from building to building, and they just built sidewalks there. Mm -hmm. And that, that to me, is a really creative way to do that. Because, I mean, not that there are rules that say you must build sidewalks. I mean, there are some, but there's nothing that says you like must build sidewalks before people can walk on this area. Mm-hmm. And so that, to me, in agreeing with Jesse and the, the you know the more creative playtime, I guess, is that without w- w- when the rules are damned, the people can be more creative, and you come up with better concepts like that. Like the gardeners for that property must be stoked because they don't have they're not constantly having to tear up grass mm-hmm. because. I mean, there's an area at our workplace that everybody cuts the corner on, and like they'll put signs up. They so they put more authority in place mm-hmm. to tell you not to not to cut that corner, but the grass is always torn up because it's might be beautiful with the angles and stuff, but it's not practical. Well, so let let's uh, let's focus this discussion a little bit. Sure. Is this possible in the United States? Oh, on a large scale, not yeah. on a small scale, because there are obviously societies where this could happen. Like mm-hmm. the Amish are fairly self governing. Right. I don't think that there's they, a lot of structure to them. They have like elders or yeah, something. They do. Something they like do that. have yeah. like. It's also it's yeah. also religion based, isn't it? Yeah, the I'm Amish, sure that I'm they, sure the rules. We'll see if you're going to be, a, if you really are going to be an anarchist society, you got to have an agreed upon uh, kind of rule base, and so I think a religious community would would rely on their religious text, whatever mm-hmm. that would be the Bible or, or whatever else. Wouldn't, wouldn't that become the governing body then? The book? Do the book. Like, don't you just go back to the book? I mean, I think you see an example of that in, uh, in the pre King era of Israel. Uh, they were just, yeah, but they, they were considered a, um, theocracy then. Correct. Yeah. If, if you want to go that route, I mean, it's assuming you buy in. I'm just saying, like, would, would they, they consider themselves? You buy in. Uh, agreed, <laughs> but I mean, it's they, they they were considered governed by God, not by kings at that point. At least that's always been my understanding. But that's, yeah, but I could be wrong in that. Okay, sure, but what what's the difference between that and a and the Amish? I mean, say that say the Amish don't have their high council or whatever it is that they have. I mean, I'm not sure the name, but I, I'm pretty sure. No, but I, a I know you, a group of people in charge or a group of people enforcing. And so what's the difference? So they didn't have any, they didn't have like a structure of, of police or any, you know, courts or anything like that to enforce the rules. They just, they had the book and they had oh, the priests. True, and, I suppose. And God's not coming down, policing everybody, making sure they all follow the rule. I mean, he, well, every, no, he every wasn't. once in a while you get the stories of the, the earth opening them up and swallowing people. Yeah, but that's <laughs> got to be more the exception than the rule. Oh yeah, no, agreed. I I don't I don't see uh, God cruising down to patrol, checking on people, <laughs> doing the buddy Christ. Hey, uh, but don't you think uh, in the ancient times uh, it was much more like anarchy? So somebody said this. I mean, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Anyway. 
<laughs> Somebody said this. No, but I can envision that. Isn't the whole world anarchist? Like, who's in charge of the whole world? Aren't we just figuring it out? America. <laughs> I mean, we like I to mean, think so. We <laughs> sure the, act like it. Yeah. That's all for the, sure. All the countries in the world just kind of oh, interact. I love that clock so much. As, oh, yeah. I just don't even hear it anymore. No, so it's such a good clock. My dad has it's that. My dad's got a similar clock. Everybody listening, you, you're, if you count the chimes, you'll know what time it is. <laughs> but you won't know if it's day or night, much like us. Except that we already told you. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Jesse. You were really interrupted just, by your beautiful clock. I was just bantering, babbling <laughs> about the world. Well, who governs the world? I, 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 so who governs the world, the world? Isn't the world anarchist? Yeah, there's. Yeah, I guess we're all self-governing in our own little tribes, if but you if will. You, if you think about the countries interacting with each other, like nobody at this point. I mean, we've gotten to a, and some would say, a civilized point in, in uh, national interactions where uh, we try to discourage somebody taking over somebody else. And I would say, if there was a group of people that thought they were in charge of the world. And not being funny like Jimmy was and saying mm-hmm. it's America, the United Nations probably thinks they're in charge because they sure act like that. There's the, an uprising. They, there's to currently, a point, but they're not trying to tell everybody what oh, to yeah, do. Oh, yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. They absolutely are. They're currently in the Middle East telling everybody what to do. Yeah, because Israel, it's the Israel same, back down. Because there's somebody oppressing somebody else. Yeah. No, I, I see I what you're saying. I, I, yeah. But that, that was why that group was founded. That group was founded so that everyone can talk and, and be anarchists anarchists together in a global scale. <laughs> so it's a collection of anarchists. Yeah. They just sit down and chat about uh, the other anarchists behind their back. Yeah. Sure. It's human nature. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I, The UN bugs me because I feel it's a misnomer. There's nothing united about those nations at all. Like other than that, they all sit in a circle and talk about the other ones. Other than that, disagree about how one or two particular countries are handling themselves and their business. Because see, like, I mean, this this is really going to reveal a lot about my overall political beliefs. I think we got a pretty good idea already. I really feel like they should butt out. Everybody should just butt out. Tragedy happens if if somebody's oppressing somebody. Then that is that is what is that's then what's happening. The oppressee is doomed to vanish from the earth. I don't think they're doomed to vanish from the earth. I think there's something to be said about asking for help. If you can't do it, then ask for help. But like, I also don't think it's everybody's responsibility to just jump in there and go. Like this, this in my mind, this is how I see America acting in every sort of conflict that's uh, of a large scale. We're going to go in and instill democracy, or what we think democracy is. Oh, yeah, I mean that's not. We're gonna go in and there's instill no that secret for about you that. because I mean, granted, you haven't asked us for help, but we're gonna give it to you for free. And by free, I mean not free, because <laughs> it's gonna cost somebody something. But that's not that's not the point. I guess my point is is that yes, I guess it's a. I guess I don't know. I, I guess the world overall. I have to agree with you. Yes, my cynicism is is getting the better of me yet again. <laughs> overall, yes. I think the world is probably a large anarchistic society. I mean, it's it's not an exact analogy, but it may be the closest that we have. When, when you zoom out, it it sure looks like anarchy. You're absolutely yeah. right. I, I I will I will concede to that. That's yeah. true. I mean, it all evolves from, you know, whatever. It's something that humans are really good at is that anything we did, ten thousand, twenty thousand, or how many years we've been on the planet ago. 
uh-huh. it just starts evolving little by little. So you have to think that all of our governments, all of our any type of authority is based somewhere off of this guy has the bigger stick and he makes the rules. That's true. There's more people with sticks now. Yeah, but that's where like that's where the talking Mutually started. destruction. Yeah, but that's where. Uh, nice. That's why we. That's why we talk to each other now. Sounds mad, Jesse. Sounds mad. It's a mad world. <laughs> so, what is the practical? What is the practicality of anar- anar- anarchism? We I think we've kind of discussed it, but like, let's just restate it for the organized audience. I've got an opinion. Let's hear it. That may surprise you. Oh no. <laughs> uh I think I think that anarchy anarchism anarchy uh is it's more valuable as a thought experiment than it is as a a working reality. Mm. Sure. So if you if you think down the path of anarchy and what it would actually look like so I was reading Emma Goldman essay trying to get some uh, some background uh what what historical anarchists actually believed and what they thought an anarchist society might look like and she she flatly declined to define it hmm saying let's see if i can find it but she her the point was i don't want to define it because we're going to start working towards it, but I know we're not going to get there before, you know, my kids are grown basically. Uh-huh. So I don't want to put them in a box because I don't know what their world's going to look like right. a generation or two generations from now when we oh, actually wow. achieve this ideal. So, I mean, it, but if you go down the road of thinking, what would it look like? How would we build roads? Who would, who would decide certain things or how would we, how how would the construct look where we all get together and agree on what needs to happen? I think it's more valuable. the The lessons you learn from going down that road in your mind or in a conversation like this is is maybe more practical to, you know, if applied to the government that we already have. Mm-hmm. Like, how can we? Like if you if you were to come up with a way that everybody could work together to decide when and where and how to build a road, and it's a it's a good workable idea, then why not just implement that process in your city or in your country mm-hmm. or whatever, or your family? You know, it's so I think it's more valuable. I mean, all that to say, it's kind of it's good to have it on the table because it's an extreme, and extremes always help balance the middle so it's i mean it's so to me it's more valuable uh it's more valuable as a philosophy not as a you know reality i'm 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 a big fan of that exercise carrying things off to their logical end to Mm -hmm. to arrive at a practical middle yeah i'm I'm a very big fan of that because i feel like it gives you the opportunity to explore an entire topic from from initial thought to yeah. as far as you can take it, yeah. even in extremes. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like risk mitigation for a concept. <laughs> yeah. That's what it sounds like, at it's, least. It's like doing your due diligence. Yeah, that's, you know, that's a better way to put it. So, overall, 
Do we think this is possible, Jimmy? No. You don't? Mm-mm. I think, in, I think even in the small, even in the small version of, of games and sport and things, you're going to eventually have to follow some form of rule, some form of, there needs to be some form of, of, of authority. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it, I guess, it, you know, Jesse, I mean, it is possible that it has worked with the ultimate Frisbee and it has worked with getting rid of traffic. So I think pieces of it can work, but in a whole, anarchy as an entire system, I don't think could ever be possible. All right. What was it that the the uh, author of that article? Total anarchy. Wait, I think is what he said. I think he said total anarchy was. Yeah, I'd be inclined to agree with with you on that, Jimmy. That pieces and parts and pieces can work in certain segments of of interactions with each other, but mm-hmm. but overall, it's not it's not really tenable with the state. I don't. Who knows? Maybe we develop ourselves into a a race that is super passive and there's no real aggressors and we can do this, but that's, that's essentially where his article on total anarchy is what he phrases Uh it as. That's essentially where it, where he leaves the answer. He doesn't really say yes or no. He, eh, actually he does. He does say, yes, he thinks it's possible, but as far as if we'll ever see it, he says, I don't know. I can only hope and do my part to live a quiet and peaceable life to provide an example. Yeah. Which I think is fair. I, and I think, I think our, a lot, for as much as there are a small group, and it is a small group of really, really whiny millennials, let's just say that, because it is our generation. <laughs> not Jimmy's, but our, ours, Jesse, and mine. Mm-hmm. Um, You're not a millennial? When, when so. does millennial... When is the millennial cutoff? Hmm, we should check that. But while we're doing that, I think that... Not exactly germane to this debate, but... I think that on the whole, I would say if I had to throw a number at it, 75% to 80% of millennials are pretty passive. It's the the 25% are the ones that show up at every rally. Passive or pacifist? Not pacifist, passive. They're opinionated... Because I've I've yet to meet somebody who's really not strongly opinionated about something, even if their opinion is no opinion. I'm having trouble with the word passive in this context because I don't I don't really think that passive to me implies you just kind of you go well I disagree but whatever I'm just gonna yeah lay down whatever you want to do and let it go yeah if you you care more about whatever you care about than than I do just go ahead yeah. Jimmy is considered a millennial. Okay. I'm really? sorry for excluding you. So, okay. so what is the cutoff? To, uh, anyone born from the early 80s to the 2000s. Oh, that's... Which I think is a really broad range. It's a broad range, yeah. But the, the baby boomer range is that broad? I suppose it would be. I suppose it would be. Anyway, what are we talking about next week, uh, Jimmy? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, uh, colonizing planets next week. Interesting. Next week's gonna be colonizing. I was originally gonna do Utopia next week, but I think we should take a week off of it's pretty of the heavy stuff. Yeah, pretty heavy, heavy discussion, stuff. <laughs> and we'll talk about something fun for a little while. Colonizing other planets. So that will be next week. Is colonizing planets? Uh, and I got that inspiration from that new movie that's gonna be coming out, Interstellar. It looks really good. Hmm. It's all about leaving Earth and intergalactic travel, and it, it touches a lot on. Uh, uh, 
touches a lot on like warp drives and a lot of stuff we've talked about in the Ooh, past. It's a, it's and a topic encompassing other topics. It it's actually one of the few movies about time travel that Neil deGrasse Tyson has actually been like like signed off and said they everything they're talking about is like all theoretically correct. Like the, wow, those are interesting. interesting. Yeah. Now I want to see the movie. Mm-hmm. We should do a little group outing. <laughs> we should. <laughs> we'll do a field trip. Field trip. <laughs> well, uh, I suppose we'll we'll see you next time when we talk about uh, colonizing planets. Yeah. Thanks for listening. See you guys. Thanks for joining us today. Visit impossiblethingspodcast.com to interact with the guys on Twitter, Facebook, and email. Questions, topic suggestions, corrections, and rants are always welcome. Also, find more episodes and see sources referenced in today's discussion. ImpossibleThingsPodcast.com for all things impossible. Impossible.